Amen. Amen. Well, we are in for a good morning. We have the privilege and the honor this morning of having Peter Riggle bring the word. So will you welcome with me up to the stage this mighty man of God, Peter Riggle. Thank you, Pastor Natalie. Something just came to me whilst I was sitting there parked. Paul tells us in the letter to the Ephesians just how precious we are in God's sight. And when you spoke of your adoption, you know, God has chosen us. He's adopted us. And he's accepted us. How precious it is to be accepted in the beloved. And not only that, he's redeemed us. He's bought us with a price. He's forgiven us, praise God. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to be our deposit, our earnest. That's what he's done for us. We could say, hallelujah, praise you, Lord, thank you. I've been accepted. I was chosen. I've been redeemed. I've been set free by the blood of the Lamb. Bought with a price. I'm not my own. Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Amen. So that wasn't my subject. Um, <laughs> but it just came to me that just how precious God sees us, that he, he did choose us. He says he chose us. We didn't choose him. He picked us. Wow. Praise God. Pastor Adam has asked me, would I share a teaching? So it's not a preaching. I might move that way in a bit. You never know how the anointing goes. But a teaching on what is the church? Um, what is the church? So let's pray. Dear Father, we pray. We thank you, Lord, first of all, for what you've done for us. Thank you, Lord. But now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray Holy Spirit, you are the teacher, you are the helper, you are the counselor, you are the one who leads us and guides us into all truth. We thank you, Holy Spirit, as our teacher, that you would teach the truths confirm, confirming what is the church and who we are in the church. And so we ask you for this in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Amen. Amen. So the church... What is the church? Is it a denomination? Oh, I'm going to church this morning. Oh, where are you going? Oh, well, I'm going to St. Paul's. Oh, well, where are you going? I'm going to St. Luke's. I used to go to St. Luke's. St. Luke's Miles Platting, Manchester 10. It was a little while ago now, but it was when I was a lad. You know. Just a little while ago. Uh, I'm going to connect church. Well, at least that tells us what it is. It's a church. Uh, is it um, a building? Is it a cathedral? A chapel? Is it a sanctuary? We didn't have that in the other service. <laughs> is it a location? The revelator, John, uh, writes to the seven churches in Asia. And you get a bonus point if you've got all seven of them. So I'll give you a few. Philadelphia, Smyrna, Laodicea, Ephesus, Philippi. Philippi. 
Paraparam. Oh, yes. If you were in the 8 o'clock service, you'd get a chocolate for that. Is it a place of worship, a place of prayer? That's a church. But that could be anywhere, couldn't it? What about parachurch organizations? Lots of them about. Give you money now and you'll help someone somewhere. Praise God. What about house churches? Paul, in his letters, he writes to the church that meets in the house of. And there's a few of them. So Pastor Adam, our pastor, has said, it's the people, not the steeple. And he's quite right to say that. So let's have a look at um, what the word says. But before that, I want to tell you a story. When Annette and I left South Africa, I was 55 at the time, again, a couple of years ago. And um, we left South Africa to go and help a colleague plant a church and a Bible school in Bristol in England. Now, there's another thought. How do you plant a church? What do you do? Do you pick it up from here and put it in there? Oh, plant a church. I think I'll, I'll plant one here. No, I'll plant, no I don't, want, don't like that posse. I'll plant. Anyway, so we got there and we got going and there were a few people started to gather, put an advert in the paper, you know, that sort of thing. People started to come. Anyway, one chap pitched up. He was a young man. And um, every time I met him, he was called Lawrence. He was a bit of an odd bod. And he, uh, he would say to me, uh, hello, old boy, how are you? I was 55 at the time. Hello, old boy, how are you? I thought, funny fella. <laughs> um, anyway, he carried on this, hello, old boy, how are you? I said to him, Lawrence, please, don't call me old boy, call me Peter. So next time we met, he said, hello, old Pete, how are you? <laughs> he was a bit peculiar, an odd bod. And that's the church, made up of odd people, peculiar people. I'm one of them. I don't know about you. Hmm. So let's think of a definition. An assembly of people that God has called out of the world to bring glory to his name and to achieve his purposes. That's a good definition. You can hold on to that. And that is uh, borne out by what the Greek says, and again, the humor. I know a little Greek. I've had a, couple, I've had a couple of goes at trying to learn Greek, and I've failed both times. I really have. It's a difficult language, because they don't even have the same letters that we've got. If you had the same letters, you got a chance. They've got different letters. Anyway, so I know a little Greek. He's got that restaurant down in Welly. And the word in Greek is ecclesia, meaning, again, an assembly of people who are called out by an authority to serve a purpose. So I want to talk about four aspects of the church today. One is a model of the church. Then we'll look at the foundation of the church. And following that, we'll look at the nature of the church and then a couple of symbols of the church. So, starting with the model of the church, the Old Testament gives a fantastic example of what a church is all about. You didn't think you'd find the church in the Old Testament. Well, it's there. Because it's there in the way in which God dealt with his children, his children of Israel. They were called out 
they were called for and called together. So we look at those three little phrases and we'll first of all talk about the children of Israel. They were called out of slavery in Egypt. There they were put to task doing dreadful things under the uh, command of the Egyptians. They called out to God and God heard their cry and he called them out of Egypt. Called them for what? Called them for a relationship with him so that having formed a relationship with him he could enter into a covenant with them so boy meets girl and here he is on the front row and this boy meets a very pretty girl and i don't know where she's gone now but danica's over there somewhere and they form a relationship and having formed a relationship he proposes to her and she becomes his bride and that's another symbol of the church the bride of Christ we are the bride of Christ but all that came to fruition when they entered into a covenant when they declared their vows to each other <laughs> when I was South Africa I became a marriage officer and there was a prescribed vow which was on the AB CD basis. Do you, AB, declare as far as you know there's no lawful impediment to your proposed marriage to CD here present? And you call on all those here present, etc., etc. So I used to marry the dog and the cat to rehearse these oaths, you see, these words. I say, Do you, Emperor Ben, take Dylan here as your lawful moving along? So, call for a relationship, call for something special, call together as the children of Israel, call to be a new nation. So let's look at our first scripture, and that is 1 Peter 2, uh, verses 9 and 10. For those who are in the men's group, mentoring men, that happens to be the scripture to learn this week, so you should know it after today. It says there, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. How did we become a royal priesthood? By the atonement. There's a big word for us. A holy nation, a people belonging to God. King James Version says, a peculiar people. Just like Lawrence was, just like you are. You're a peculiar lot, you are. That you may... Declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Amen. So that fits the definition. So we were called out, just like the children of Israel. Called, they were called out of slavery. We were called out of sin. God delivered us by sending his son to redeem us. And Annette said to me, she says, when you prepare that message, don't give them any big words. She knows me too well. We've been married for 49 years and uh, one month and some days. I think. Ouch. <coughs> Redeem. We've been bought with a price. We're not our own. We've been rescued. We've been called out of darkness into his glorious light. Praise God. That's great news this morning. And so we've been set apart as believers. 
in order to completely belong to God. Children of God, saved by His grace. Hallelujah. And that's why I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Are you? Paul wasn't. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God to salvation, to all who believe, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Praise God. And there's a sermon there somewhere for someone sometime. So we call for a relationship with God. Once we were separated from God, miles apart, Once we were without, without, without what? Without lots, without Christ, without a covenant, without citizenship, without hope, without God. But God reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. There was once a great barrier between the Jew and the Gentile. Jesus Christ removed that barrier so that the two could become one. There was another barrier between sinful man and a righteous holy God. Jesus removed that barrier so that we, by his redemption, could be united with God, with a holy father, through the blood of Jesus. And then brought together, then we were unified. And I can't do this with my hand and my mic. But once we were separated, then we were reconciled and then we were unified praise God hallelujah and called together called together to be the body of Christ called together to be the church and in Ephesians 2 verses verse 19 consequently you are no longer foreigners when we lived in Spain we were foreigners we always were foreigners we felt like foreigners and we were treated foreigners and we were there 12 years the council had a, a special department, the foreigners department. When you went there, you went to other foreigners. We were all foreigners except the Spanish. But when we came here, we were welcomed in. Never felt like a foreigner here. Because we're all foreigners here, in a sense. It says we were foreigners, no longer foreigners but, and aliens, but fellow citizens with God, God's people, saints, members of God's household. Annette and I, we've had a great privilege in our lives to be citizens of many places. Because of my birth, born in England, uh, I was automatically, by birth, a citizen of the United Kingdom and colonies. And there'll always be an England. <laughs> or something like that. We've been citizens of uh, South Africa. Annette was born in South Africa. She was, by birth, a South African citizen. And also Thomas on the front row here. Praise God. Citizens of Spain. Citizens of Europe. Sometimes it's difficult to get citizenship. Sometimes you've got to pay for it. Some people want citizenship and they can't gain it. They're disqualified. We are soon to become Kiwi citizens. But we have to pay for it. <laughs> but there's one citizenship that's free. We're citizens of heaven. By God's grace. And we don't have to pay because he paid the price. Can you say 
Amen. So we've been called out. We've been called for. And we've been called to be the church. So before we look at some symbols of the church, what about the foundation of the church? I'm sure you've heard of the story of the, the house built on the sand. We do this at, when we're little ones and go to Sunday school and the like. Kids church over there. House built on the sand, house built on the rock. We had a house in South Africa built for us on a hillside. Always dangerous building on a hillside. You don't know what you're getting quite. Did a cut and a fill job. The house was quite good because that was on solid ground, but the patio was something different. And one day the patio left home. It slipped away. There it went, down the hill. Fortunately, we'd sold the house, so we were out of that one. Good one. So what is the foundation of the church? We all need a firm foundation. And praise God, we need that in our lives as well, as having the church built on that foundation. And in 1 Corinthians 3.11 it says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the foundation of the church. So I want to talk a little bit about that. But before that, in the preparation of this, I found an old hymn. Even older than me. 1866, I think. Jonathan found that. 1866. And let's just look at those words. It's so beautiful. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her and for her life he died. So powerful. And some of you would probably know the tune, but I won't attempt to sing it. Maybe old, but it's gold, and it's 24 carat, solid. Now Peter was there uh, with Jesus and his disciples, and Jesus inquired of his disciples, "Who do who do men say that I am?" And the disciples answered, "Well, some say Elijah, Jeremiah." one of the prophets, someone like that. Some say this, some say that. Same in the church is today, isn't it? Who is Jesus, some people say. Oh, well, he's a prophet. Some say, well, he's a good guy. Some say other good things. But there's a variety of opinions as to who Jesus is. But I have an idea that Jesus looked particularly at Peter and said, but who do you say that I am? And he said these words in Matthew 16, 16. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by men, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. On this rock. And Jesus uses a play on words here. Because he's talking to Peter and he says, Peter, Petros, meaning a stone, a small stone. In fact, Peter uses the term later on when he talks about being living stones built into a house. 
But he says, on this rock, on the Petra, Greek word, a solid rock, a massive rock. And we were privileged, again, being in Spain, to be able to see the rock of Gibraltar, not far away, an hour and a bit's drive. There it stood. And that's what he's talking about. Something solid. And Christ is the rock. Christ is the foundation. But not only that, it's on the revelation that Peter got that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, that I will build my church, he said. Once we get that revelation, once we get that understanding, as Peter did, that's when we can confess him as Lord and Savior. Have you had that revelation? Have you made that confession? Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you have, then you are the church. Whose church is it? Jesus said, my church. On that revelation, I will build my church. And so, folks, with that sort of conviction, that confession of Peter, when we come together and we called out of darkness, chosen by God, then the Lord will build his church. People like Peter, full of faith. People like you, full of faith. People like you, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered to be witnesses. Acts 1.8, you all know it so well. And you shall be witnesses. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and New Zealand. I put that one in. So we've seen the model of the church, the foundation of the church. What about the nature of the church? Again, an assembly of people that God has called us, chosen us, called us out of this world to be, to bring glory to his name and to achieve his purposes. So to understand the nature of the church, there's just two aspects. There's the universal church. Annette and I have lived in a number of places, and we have found people of faith throughout those places we've lived. And as I shared in the earlier service, on Thursday night we watched a, a clip of Jesus Alive Ministries, Peter Pretorius, in Africa. And he, uh, he was, he'd celebrated 35 years of ministry as an evangelist. And 11 million people had come to salvation under his ministry. 11 million. You can just run it off like 11 million. 11 million people. That's the universal church. People of like faith. Believers in the one Lord Jesus Christ. One faith, one Lord, one baptism. That's the universal church. But there's the local church as well. People like ourselves. Not just a place to meet and have a coffee. We were going up to the Rangitiki River to do some fly fishing. And I've already had a request from someone to uh, show them how to cast a fly. He didn't know this place. There's funny things go. Peculiar people in church. So we're going off to the Rangatiki, and one of the, one of the chaps in the car, the Capiti Fly Fishing Club says, oh, he says, when we go to Sansom, we'll call into the church cafe and have a coffee. I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder what this church cafe is about. 
So we pull into Sanson, and you probably know the building. You might have been there. It's, a, it's an old church that's been converted into a cafe. I thought, well, this is interesting. Get inside. There's the stained glass windows and all sorts of things. Oh, do you know what they serve there? It's not like Kiss and, kiss and uh, Bake Up. They serve heavenly coffee there. Wow. Heavenly coffee. So what is the church? It's a spiritual building where believers come together where we're in service for the Lord. In South Africa, again, um, we find that because of persecution and the like, church can meet outdoors. Church can be under a tree. We know in certain parts of Asia where there's great persecution, people meet in the forests. That's the church. That can be a local church. We know some people have really had to go underground to have church. But it's a strange thing that where there's persecution, great persecution came on the church in Acts chapter 8 verse 1, and the church was spread. I think it was only spread about then because the persecution came because they were not fulfilling the you shall go into all the world. But where there's persecution, the church grows. Because the Lord said, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Praise God, I've got to get a move on. So the temple of the Holy Spirit, we are the temple. Paul tells us in three places, do you not know, symbolically, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6.19, 2 Corinthians 6.16, there you go. Same thing, same idea. Do you not know, there's the word, that your, yourselves are God's temple. And God's spirit lives in you. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. The point is that individually we are the church. Individually we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But collectively do not forsake the gathering together as become the manner of some. The togetherness makes the church stronger. Can you say amen? It was John G. Lake again in South Africa who planted more than a hundred churches. When he looked in the mirror in the morning, he said, God lives in that man. And where that man goes, God goes. Turn to your neighbor and say, God lives in me. Where I go, God goes. So the church is a living body, a living organism. Back to the trees. I love planting trees. I really do. I get such a delight when I see them grow. The Lord gets a great delight when he sees his church grow. When there's more, and more, and more, and was added to the church 3,000 in one day, it says in the book of Acts. In Ephesians 1, 23, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, Christ, to be the head of everything for the church, which is his body. We're the body of Christ, a living organism. Paul develops that thought in his letter to the Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, he says this, The body is a unit, 
though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized into, by one Spirit into the body of Christ, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, folks. He baptizes us into the body of Christ. It is Jesus who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. And we as believers can baptize anyone who becomes a believer. Can you say amen? You didn't know you were in the ministry, did you? Paul says you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. It's not just standing here. We've all got that ministry of reconciliation, of bringing people to Christ. But now I'm beginning to preach and that's not in my mandate. The point is we're all important in the successful growth of the body of Christ. Whether it's the person standing behind this lectern or the people moving the chairs and making the coffee or whatever it is, everyone does his part to make the body grow. Amen. So I am coming for a landing now. So we've seen the model of the church, the foundation of the church, the nature of the church, and two symbols of the church. But again, the goal is to glorify his name. You want to know what you're doing here on earth? To glorify his name. What on earth am I here for? To glorify his name. And achieve his purposes, doing our part, so that the body will grow spiritually, numerically. And to do this, he's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. But that's another story for another day. Praise God. So here's my question to you. If you close your eyes, are you a member of the body of Christ? Does the Holy Spirit live in you? Are you a believer? Have you received Jesus? If no, then today is the day of salvation. So as you think about that, there's an invitation there. If you've not received Jesus Christ, the word says to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Do you want to become a child of God today? If you've not become a child of God, just slip up your hand and we'll pray with you and we'll pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take a moment. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. If you wanted to make that decision and you felt embarrassed or shy, today is the day of salvation. And if you've not made those decisions, then don't delay. Don't put it off until you think you'll be worthy.
because you'll never achieve it because none of us were worthy it's what God has done through Christ through his grace and his mercy and salvation is a gift from